Two Trees in a Pod with Alyssa and Sam, where we talk about all things life and relationships and tie it all back to faith. Today, we are excited to begin our first mini-series, All About Love, with this episode, The Struggle of Modern Relationships. Let's get into it. So, fun to start with, little warm-up. We thought we'd share some little mini updates on what's been going on in our life uh, because we're talking about relationships that are modern and we are in a modern relationship. So (laughs) Sam, would you like to go first? We're starting it off with some awesome news. My unemployment arc is coming to an end. I have officially signed a job offer and I will be beginning my journey back into the workforce over the next couple weeks. So Mm -hmm. it's Still have plenty of time to dedicate and record all these podcast episodes, but I will now spend 40 hours a week working an actual real job. So (laughs) it's exciting to see what's next and some clarity from God's plan on what we're doing next. Yeah, so we've been praying for, I guess that's a praise we would want to share because we've been praying for clarity and for a job for Sam for a long time, uh, even since before he left his old one we wanted clarity on next steps um because we knew that the time was short with (laughs) the previous job due to our location change but um praise the lord is all we have to say about that i think and it's in new hampshire so i guess that's another little update uh we will be staying here for an undetermined amount of time try to re-sign the lease stay here another year yeah. Live free or die. Live free or die <laughs> is right. We will be staying here indefinitely until uh, God takes us elsewhere. Or if he ever does. But I think we're happy about that, right? I can't complain. I like it up here. Yeah. A little I, cold right now. But. <laughs> but hey, today we went outside and we played pickleball with some friends. So it's not that cold. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's warmer, but... Could be worse. Could be worse. There was snow on the ground. But anyways, um, I guess updates on my end of things. I don't really have any other than I'm a little out of it again because I am sick again. (laughs) So something I have learned that now that I am in childcare and that I work in childcare, I am going to just be sick all of the time. (laughs) So this has been a hard reality for me. But it's okay. I'm just going to be sick all the time. So (laughs) bear with my mental state. I'm on the end of it, but I'm still a little loopy. (laughs) I've got like sick brain. But anyways, I got my hot tea and we're ready to jump into this episode. Oh yeah. So I think we wanted to start with a little disclaimer. We're not really going to be sharing like too much advice in this episode. It's more so going to be like a like a uh, discussion. Yeah, just opinions going back and forth. So we do love this topic and we talk about this to each other all the time. So this is just basically a recording of that. And we are not relationship experts, though we are very proud of the relationship that we have. So <laughs> we might be using ourself, ourselves as examples. We're not perfect by any means, but I think out of everything in life, this is something we do pretty well. So... <laughs> We are both in our first relationship, so we are both one for one, which I don't know if that, some people think that would mean, oh, you guys got lucky. Some would say you don't have experience. Others would say, oh, batting a thousand, you're playing perfect. Keep it up. Yeah, we're both hitting a thousand, which is great. So, I mean, aside from like a middle school relationship here or there, but you know, I was a hot commodity in middle school. Speak for yourself. So I am speaking for myself, but I would just like everyone to know that that was a lie. I was not a hot commodity in middle school. <laughs> it is because you were six foot at age 10. It is because okay. I was six foot at Me age 10. Me too. Yes. So anyways, the reason that this is our opener episode to our mini series about love is because I don't know if you know this statistic, but the average relationship nowadays only lasts two years most couples split up around the seven month mark and this is kind of like a very discouraging stat 
So why has this changed? There's a million reasons. It's not just because, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, like <laughs> like a lot of people like to say. Um, not calling out any specific generation there. Um, totally. Not at all. But um, there's other things going on, too. Like, dating has become a much bigger thing than it ever was before people date sometimes for like 10 years now and till until they get married and not saying that marriage is for everybody but like I don't know I don't know if it's just me but like why date for that long (laughs) like just get married (laughs) I mean people could probably a lot of People who meet, say, their late 20s, early 30s, mm. boom, like my parents, they were married within six months or engaged within six months of knowing each other. We've been dating over four and a half years. And we're going to be engaged for another year and a half before we get married. Uh, I definitely think it's a different mental state of where you're going from, oh, are we getting married or are we just sticking around dating, seeing where this goes? Dating ends... Going into a relationship, when you start dating, it ends one of two ways. You either break up or you get married. I think today's time, people don't go into relationships with that kind of mindset. At least not all the time. Yeah, they don't start dating someone thinking, okay, I'm going to marry this person or I'm going to break up with this person. They go into it saying, well, this will be an experience. Let's see how this goes. And I think the kind of intention behind dating is a reason that relationships are shorter and shorter because people don't truly know what they want or know what to expect or have things that they're looking for specifically. And I don't know if it's necessarily a bad intention when you go into dating, right? It's just, at least from my observations um, as a young adult in 2024, um, people don't go into relationships like... I'm going into this to break up, right? Because we said, Sam said earlier, you either get married or you break up, right? So I don't think people are going into it with the expectation of the latter, but maybe it's a lack of intention with dating, a lack of intentional dating. Like it's not, I'm out there looking for my wife. I'm out there looking for my husband. It's yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, talk to so-and-so and you know, do the whole situationship thing for a while. Maybe it'll turn into a boyfriend-girlfriend thing. And then who knows? You know, it's a very go-with-the-flow attitude, and that's not necessarily negative. However, I do think it's a strong contributing factor to the reason why relationships don't last as long. And situationships are their own conversation, but... (laughs) Both of us are anti-situationship, <laughs> like, pretty strongly. I think that's, like, one of the strongest stances I have is, like, I don't know, like, wh- why even? <laughs> but anyways, Sam, would you like to shift our gears here? We can shift it right into expectations, why people want what they want, why they're going to relationships with these mentalities, Um, I think a really big factor is social media. You basically have an online dating catalog of every single person trying to show their life's highlights. And that's the representation of yourself that you put off to the world. I know going through college, if you started talking with someone and they didn't have a social media profile, that was... It was a red flag. It it was, oh, this this person, like, who are they? Do they even (laughs) exist? Um, I definitely think uh, Alyssa can speak more to that on the female kind of side. Fortunately, a lot of guys aren't as well manicured on social media. I mean, me personally, I was never too up to date. I might have posted at most once every few months. But now it's a yearly post at best. Um, I think a lot of that is people care so much about their own representation to everyone else as opposed to what they're truly trying to find. So instead of looking for a relationship, it's a, okay, I need to make sure that the appearance I project out to everyone is what people would want to date. That, and then when you're selecting a partner or selecting a boyfriend, girlfriend, 
whatever, um, you've got that expectation in mind. Like, the physical kind of things, like the things you can just see. Like, how is this relationship going to look to other people? I know as a six foot two tall woman, I really, really, really was like hard set on like, I will not date somebody shorter than me. Not at all. Like, right? And that's, well, lucky you. And lucky me, I'm not dating somebody shorter than me. But <laughs> so it ended up working out. But that's a very like, like, why does that matter to me so much? Is it because I'm afraid of how it looks to other people if I were to be with someone shorter than me, which I'm not. But like, when I was in the dating pool, that was like, something that mattered a lot. And for other people, it may not be height. Um, for guys, it's usually weight. Um, and um, just general attractiveness. But like, I feel like, I don't know, Sam, if you have... <laughs> I think any so, the social media reduces it down to what the other person wants you to see. You don't genuinely get to know a person. You don't sit down and have a conversation. You start off every interaction with a giant list of preconceived notions of who this person is based on what they chose to put out instead of having a conversation and actually getting to know them. Mm. So I think that's the hardest part is if you do have any of this social media, by the time you do inevitably meet up with someone, they know what your friend group looks like. They know what you do on the weekends. They know who you hang out with. They, they might even you. know your political views. <laughs> exactly. They know all these things about or think they know all these things about you. Maybe they do. But they've never talked to you about it. They've never gotten to know you. They just have this kind of this social media profile instead of a genuine experience with another person. And I think it reduces it down to just kind of an interview you're not even oh here's your social media profile this is your resume um if people don't like your resume they won't even speak to you they won't even look at you instead of bringing you in hey let's talk let's see how things go and while that can be good from a you know if you look at it from an efficiency standpoint sure <laughs> you can look through hundreds of people but in reality what are you actually accomplishing it, what is your goal in going through this whole process? Because you've now turned trying to find your forever partner into, okay, well, logistically, it makes the most sense if I do this. Uh, uh, when you're looking for a partner, it should be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I found my person. I'm going to stay with my person instead of, you know these are the people I like and these are the characteristics I like. I am going to swipe right on only the people who fit my criteria. And if there's a single thing wrong with them, I'm just not going to talk to them. It's like a perfectly curated personal advertisement for who you are, your social media presence or online dating presence. And it can really be limiting and misleading. So, I mean, your profile picture on Instagram, Sam, when we started dating was from freshman year. So you catfished me. <laughs> <laughs> I was a lot skinnier that picture, too. But fortunately, we met pretty quick and there was no worries. Oh, yeah. But it's, you look at it and this is the probably the biggest issue with the whole social media profile. It is a highlight reel of somebody's life. Which means when you start truly getting to know someone and going through the day-to-day, -day, they're not as exciting as what they put out to the world. Oh, they yeah. don't share their daily routine on social media. They don't talk to you every single second of the day through the posts. So when you realize that every single day is not going to be a highlight reel that can be posted to social media, your expectations can be skewed. And that's when people can say, Oh, well, maybe I'm not in love. Maybe I'm just maybe it's just boring and this isn't meant to be when in reality you're finally feeling comfortable, which is where that 7 month mark comes in. Mm -hmm. It's people are like, "Oh, I'm comfortable. This is a good situation to be in instead of nonstop excitement every single day now that you actually know the other person you're talking to." Yeah, and I think another thing social media can do is create false expectations of your potential partner or even of the other gender in general like I 
<laughs> I'll be the first to admit, uh, a lot of my photos back in the day were a little doctored. <laughs> Not to an extreme extent, but like, um, I'd wipe away a little pimple here or there if I was going to post it, you know? And then not only would that kind of create a false expectation about like who I am when I meet somebody, but I would feel a little bit more insecure seeing people in person because I felt like my online presence was like this perfectly curated thing. And then when you would meet me in person, it would be like, uh oh, like, oh my God, is that a pimple on her face? <laughs> and I thought that was going to like ruin my dating life, I guess. Um, another thing about social media is how does that impact relationships that are already established, right? Like um, you hear about, I think, what's the saying? Like relationships were all good until Snapchat was invented. You know, like Snapchat is like the number one destroyer of modern relationships. I think I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> but Because um, of like the best friend list drama you can see. Um, oh, are they ignoring me? Oh, their snap scores going up. I know they're active on Snapchat, but they're not responding to me. It's so like, oh my gosh, it's so Snapchat is just over the top. Um, I just learned that you can, this is going to sound so old of me, but I just learned that you can half swipe people on Snapchat. <laughs> like, so like the, a big problem with online dating is, or not online dating, um, modern dating is that a lot of it is online. Even if you didn't meet online or if you're, that's like, just how you communicate these days is through Snapchat, through text, through DM. And with that, it, feel like it adds this whole other layer of drama like oh he half swiped me like oh like it's just it's a lot it never made sense to me that's why i was single the whole time <laughs> or oh i think i caught my boyfriend liking so and so's pictures on instagram i don't know what this means for us like uh, there's a whole different layer that is just completely debased from reality and actual human interaction it's almost dystopian because what's the male argument then for liking bikini pictures? Oh, I just like all the pictures that are on my feed. And then what's the female argument? Well, you shouldn't be liking bikini photos of girls online, which is like, yeah, both sides. Like I scroll all the time when I have Instagram and just double tap whatever comes up. Right. So I do get that aspect. But then I also like if I saw someone's bikini picture and it was like liked by Sam Sargent, I would be like, for real? <laughs> Like, well, are you it, for real right it, now? It would be extra concerning, <laughs> seeing as how I don't use Instagram. Yes, so. especially with you. Because I would be like, he opened Instagram, found this picture, and double-tapped it. Like, that had to be so out of his way. But, yeah. So there's a whole other thing with social media that brings out this... Like, we talk about infidelity. And infidelity, in a traditional sense, is having physical relationships with somebody else. But all this online stuff opens up a whole other category of infidelity because it's so easy to emotionally cheat on your partner. It is so easy to, I mean, it's not easy to do that, but like the access <laughs> is there, you know, like you could just open Instagram and DM someone, open Snapchat and DM an ex, or what do you call on Snapchat when you like text somebody? Snap. You just snap. <laughs> well, is that the picture or is that <laughs> the message? <laughs> I don't know. You're old. <laughs> I'm so old, guys. Like, I just learned that apparently half swiping has been a thing for a while, and I just learned, I just learned about it. Even but I knew that. You knew that? Well, you, you, no, you don't. The way you're looking at me, you're like, you just learned that now. I learned that because of my teammates, but because <laughs> they're youthful and okay. Anyways, I'm 22. I'm not that old. Roles and expectations. Let's shift gears from social media because. We obviously know social media, social, social, I'm sorry guys, social media is not the best for relationships, but it's got its positives. Roles and expectations. There are burdens that society has placed on both men and women, and with major culture shifts happening, uh, I guess almost, what, 30 years ago, in the 50s? That's not 30 years ago, is it? Seven years ago, a little, a little more than thirty years ago. <laughs> I'll tell my business mom. major. I'll tell my parents how they feel about me thinking the fifties were thirty years ago. <laughs> what year were you guys born in? Like nineteen, nineteen twenty. <laughs> um. Anyways, so 
there's definitely like these polar opposites for gender roles, right? And I think we're actually going to start talking about this at church soon, which will be interesting and we'll have to bring it back up again because of that. Um, but like from the female perspective and the male perspective, what is kind of expected of me? How am I supposed to behave in society, in the dating scene, inside of a relationship as a single person who's not looking? What does that look like? It's, it's changed so drastically. Um, as a guy, I've been, I feel the need and I've been raised where, oh, I need to be the breadwinner. I need to be the society. Uh, I need to be the provider. Uh, it, it's insane. Right now, if you come out of college with a normal degree and like I came out with a good degree, I came out with a good job. It paid me just enough to get my student loans paid every month and pay the rent and go out to eat a couple times. We could never start a family raise a kid, do all, buy a house. All of that is completely unobtainable on your solo with a standard solo income. I, and I still feel that drive to be the breadwinner, be the provider. I started my own company. I do a million side hustles. I do all of these things on the side to try and fulfill this, but a normal person working 40 hours a week, it's just not feasible or reasonable. And that, shifts on to Alyssa and the other side of a relationship. Well, now she's also looking at full-time work. Well, what happens when we both have a full-time 40-hour-a-week job that we need to pay all the bills? When do we have that time to start a family? When are we part of our kid's life? Can we even afford it? Can we even afford it on top of that? Are we ever going to own a house? All of these questions are just, they pile on top of each other and it's heavy there's no real solution or path that's given you we're carving our own path we're doing our own things we start our own little businesses on the side we're making our money on the side we'll go out and we'll deliver food and grubhub and doordash together we'll make some extra money here and there we'll invest we're doing all these extra things but right now that's the bare minimum doing all of these extra things and having two full-time incomes is going to be the bare minimum to be able to try and start a family. The, the perspective on both sides, it's, okay, well then who's going to raise the kid? Who's going to do... We have our own personal approach towards this. Um, we're both doing a lot of outside things. Alyssa's nannying right now. She's also a full-time MBA student. She also was a full-time athlete. She's also applying for internships and jobs and doing part-time go. <laughs> That's a lot. There's no way we can raise a kid if we're both doing this amount of work. I'm also trying to start a business. <laughs> exactly. So there's a million things going on. That doesn't save enough time in the day to do all these other things that we both hold very important. So that's why we're doing these things. We're trying to set passive income streams. We're trying to do all these things so they work in the background so we can get to that point. But in today's society, with everyone being so focused on being an individual, it's difficult for relationships to manifest when two people are so focused on individual success. We approach these problems and issues as a couple uh, we share money, we share resources, we share the car right now. Everything we do is together to solve the common goal of we're trying to raise a family together. So these roles that might be put on by society, they don't... Letting other people's views and opinions dictate your roles isn't going to help anything. Because each couple's in a unique situation and they're trying to accomplish unique goals. Not everyone wants to run a business. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of management. That's not for everybody. But that's the path we want to be taking because we enjoy that. It is unique to every couple. But if it's two individuals trying to work together, it's not going to work. That's, a, that's two individuals living together. That's not a partnership. That's not a couple. A lot of couples these days also do separate bank accounts too, like completely separate. I know like Sam and I have this, we're not married yet, but when we are, we're going to have a joint and we're going to have two separate ones. Um, 
like not two separate ones, I guess. One for you, one for me, and then a joint for expenses. And then we got our two separates. But I cannot imagine, like we're managing a household right now. I mean, we've got our child, our little cat, <laughs> our little dependent. <laughs> but we pay rent together. We buy groceries together. We pay the same electric bill. And like right now we're doing it from two separate accounts. And it's just so inefficient. You know? And it's also not a, oh, well, I paid this, which means you're getting this. I bought dinner. So you need to get the electric bill this month. It's no, it's just, okay, um, you got the bill? Sure. Yeah. And then just... It's like whatever's convenient in the moment. Or if I'm standing closest to the cash register at the grocery store, I'll whip out my card. Or... And if it gets, if you're in, you know, a relationship where it's like, oh, you owe me, I owe you. You guys aren't in a relationship. You're two individuals who are in the same area living and interacting with each other. A partner, it, a relationship is back and forth. It's one to another. A partnership, being a couple, you guys are on the same team. The Bible says you are one. You are working towards the same goals. Imagine how much easier it is to achieve goals when you have two people working towards the same exact thing, combining resources, combining their effort, combining their time. It's just so much more efficient, so much better. It, it, it's cheaper, it's smarter, and it's healthier, and it's happier, because you just have that person that you don't depend on them for everything, but you do depend on them. It's someone that you know will always be there, and it's a huge load of weight off of your shoulders on both sides, if it's done correctly, because if you're just a burden to the other person, well, then it doesn't work, and then you were a burden. If you're a couple, you're approaching all of these situations together and you're working together to achieve these goals that you both have because it's not individual anymore. It's both of you. We talked a little bit the other day, Sam, about power struggles in relationships, just, you know, casual like conversations. <laughs> <laughs> it was prompted from a show we were watching. So it wasn't just like, hey, how do you feel about power struggles, male and female in relationships? Um, but... I feel like that has a lot to do with the concept of individuality because back in the day when you talk about like 1950 or even before, it's like, I am the man, I am the provider, you are the woman, you stay home, you take care of the kids, I like whatever I say is what goes. And like, you're just along for the ride, shoddy, like, (laughs) I hope you're on board because you have to be or like, good luck out there because you can't get a job because you have no education, (laughs) haha. Um... But nowadays, I feel like power struggles, not, it's not the same for every situation, but there's definitely, like, the problem of power imbalance in a relationship, especially when you talk about arguments, when you talk about who makes more, because a modern relationship typically has both people working, at least in some regard, it doesn't have either parent stay home fully like we're we both got to generate income if we want to stay afloat in this society um but power imbalances in modern relationships have definitely taken a different turn because it's not necessarily the woman that's getting her voice silenced in a relationship all the time it fluctuates power struggles fluctuate these days and it's very interesting um especially in the case of like one partner has made a mistake and the other one's gonna hold it over their head and like those kinds of things can feel a little difficult and I feel like when you forget the partnership and put too much emphasis on the individual which individuality isn't a negative thing inherently but in a partnership an overemphasis on individuality can create a power struggle a power imbalance because, oh, I'm my own person, I want to do this. I'm making this decision. Especially when you're already established in society, say, I've got my own apartment, I'm paying rent, I'm like doing all my own things, I'm fully, like, this is my life. And, oh, you want to come into it? Great. Honeymoon phase, it's awesome. Okay, now we're having our first little disagreement, and I don't need you anyways. I'm going to just drop you, I don't need you. It's, oh, I don't need, I don't... 
you do need someone else. Humans are meant to be together. Humans need other humans. And I think that comes to that perspective of, oh, well, you're self-sufficient, you're empowered, you can do everything yourself on both sides, male and female. That sort of mentality puts up these walls and barriers that you don't need anyone. And what that does is isolate you as an individual and make it even harder to connect with someone as a partner. If you can't connect with them on a I need you basis, not just for financial needs, but for emotional needs, people will pivot to, oh, I don't need you. Uh, For finances, maybe. You could be seeing it from a financial perspective, but emotionally, physically, being with someone, you do need other people. And saying that you don't is not only isolating, but it's destructive and harmful. Because it's not that I am completely dependent on you to be a person. If, like we had never met or whatever, I would be a fully functioning individual person in society. You know, like I I was fully functioning, functioning an individual, though I was a teenager, so I wasn't necessarily fully financially independent at the time, but we're there now. Um, It's not a zero sum game. It's not a, okay, you're one, I'm one. When we go together, it equals two. It's a, you elevate me to levels that I couldn't achieve previously and I make you a better person that you couldn't have done alone. We're both in much better positions that we never could have achieved without each other. It's not saying that we couldn't have been okay on our own, but we could not have achieved what we do achieve alone because we need each other for these balances. I saw something on a, uh, I think it was an Instagram post. I can't remember the source, but it was talking about relationships like this. And it didn't say one plus one equals two. It said one plus one equals one. So me. That seems even less efficient. (laughs) (laughs) Well, me and you, we equal one team, one unit, one like household. And I think it's quite efficient because instead of two people doing all this like stuff on their own or whatever, we're united and we're together. We are on rent together. We're not like. Like, it's really expensive to be single and be on your own, you know? Like, our rent is what it is, but we have two people contributing to the cost of that. Our groceries are what what they are. We have two people contributing to the cost of that. And it's not just cost, because recently, with Sam's unemployed arc, you know, I've been out of the house, like out of the apartment, I guess, all the time since, especially since August with volleyball there. I don't think there was a weekend. I was in the state of New Hampshire for both Saturday and Sunday um, or Friday. Um, And so he took on the more traditional female gender role of like house guy. I was on my housewife arc. You were on your housewife arc. And I would come back from a long day of class, film and practice and lift And you know what I would come home to? A clean apartment and a home-cooked meal. And that was amazing. (laughs) But that was just the way our role had shifted at the time. And because there's times in our relationship where that's what I provide for you. And it's not necessarily that I'm providing for you. I'm providing for us. And because you're picking up the slack that I couldn't necessarily do because of my commitments. I'm outside of the house all the time. I don't have the time throughout the day to keep it as pristine and clean or I don't have the time to go to the store and cook a whole like a beautiful meal from scratch like you've gotten really into cooking lately (laughs) those issues arise from oh well Alyssa you need to do the dishes and vacuum I'll cook the meal and do the it's a okay the apartment needs to be cleaned the dishes need to be done and we need to have a meal well you're busy I'm not I'm going to do that. At some point, I'm going to be busy and you won't be busy. So you'll take over. So it's not a, you have to do this, I have to do this. It's a, these things need to get done. How does this get done the most efficient with both of our schedules and time? Mm. So when all of these things, this includes life goals, savings, what you're trying to accomplish, it's not a, well, you need to do this and I need to do that. It's a, this needs to get accomplished How can we make this happen? Absolutely. And it's not because 
you're doing something for me necessarily. You're doing something for the team. It's us. This needs to be done for us. We need a dinner tonight. We need clean dishes for the dinner. It just so happens that you're in class or I'm at work. So you need to do it. I need to do it. It just needs to be done. Whoever does it, it's, it's a, it's not a you owe me, I owe you. It's a, we need this done. This is for us because if you weren't in the picture, I would still need food <laughs> and I would still need the dishes to be clean. So it's not, it, it comes from a not being grateful for what the other person is actively doing, but understanding that they have commitments. I understand you have class. Well, if I was single, I would still need to cook this meal and I would still need to clean the apartment. Okay, so now I'm cooking a little extra and maybe I have to pick up an extra thing. Well, now both of us don't have to worry about it because both are done. You have the same things that you need to get done. Plus, you're accomplishing other things. So it picks up the slack from the other person and it balances out to, well, now we have two people working to accomplish all of these individual tasks. And this fluctuates. So you're about to start working 40 hours a week in person. I now do not have the full-time student-athlete schedule. I'm a full-time student, and I work part-time. I am home more frequently than you are because I'm not out of the house 40 hours a week. I'm out of the house probably 25 to 30 hours a week. But the way you're contributing is going to shift back into more financial. <laughs> and the way I'm contributing is still going to be financial but it's definitely not at the scale that you were contributing with a full-time job um but i can start transitioning back into that equal load the house type not the house we don't have a house it's just wishful thinking we're guys, playing house. that i keep saying house um very grateful for the apartment that we live in but my role is definitely going to shift back into more of the cooking and cleaning and I'm fine with that because you just did that for me for seven months with me basically having to do almost nothing. And relationships are about getting to that 100, right? If I'm contributing 25%, you need to contribute 75, vice versa. And that's where issues arise. People think it's a, oh, well, I'm doing 75%. It's a, yes, you are right now. That's not a permanent, you're doing 75% forever. That's just not how it is. It's a, right now, for this to work, you need to be doing this because the other person can't possibly commit that much of their day to it because they have all these other obligations. You're in class all day. I'm sitting at home unemployed. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm doing more dishes than you, I should be because there's only so many hours in the day and I just happen to have more hours where that's an easier thing for me to do. That's okay. That'll shift. When people start getting, oh, well, I do more than you. You do less than me. It becomes a competition. You're competing with your partner, not working with. It's a, oh, well, I do. You owe me. I do that. It's a, no. We do this because we're accomplishing this because this needs to get done for us. It's a very selfish mentality to have if you're saying, well, I did this and you didn't. It needed to get done anyway. One of you needed to get it done. Maybe the other person will get it at another time. And it's important to communicate, hey, you know, I need some help with things. It's becoming a little bit too much for me to handle. You've done that with me before too. Yeah. This but... past seven months, I think there was a time where I was not contributing what I could because I would just come home and be like, okay, I'm going to stare at a wall because I'm tired. And then you were like, hey, I need more out of you. And I was like, okay, absolutely. And I that's, give you more. And that doesn't come from a, you're not pulling your weight around here. It's a, I can't keep up with all of this. Can you please help? And then you said, sure. And then it balances out a little more. So it's an ongoing, it's not a power struggle, but it's a balance and it it requires a lot of communication to make sure everything gets done. Yeah. But when you come from it at a point of all of this needs to get done and we're a partnership working to accomplish all of this, it completely eliminates the, oh, well, you're not doing this. I'm do It's a, 
it's all getting done. Communicate how it needs to get done. And I think the way you approached me in that setting wasn't like, ugh, Alyssa is so lazy. She's not doing anything around the apartment. She's not helping me. You know, it was, hey, I need help. Can you help me? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I didn't even realize that that needed to be done because I'm never here. So I didn't realize like, I just didn't know. I didn't pay attention. I wasn't around enough to, like, I'm literally, like, in Kansas or <laughs> Indiana. Like, <laughs> I'm not here. So when I was here, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely, I can do that. I'm sorry that I haven't, like, I'm sorry I didn't notice. I'm very sorry. And you were like, yeah, it's chill. Just help me. And the other person will never realize that they need to help in some situations unless you communicate so like if, I have no idea. Uh, let, let's <laughs> say the dishes weren't done, and I was really hoping Alyssa would help me with the dishes, but she didn't know they needed to be done at that time. Why would I be able to harbor any sort of you build that resentment if you don't communicate? I would say, Alyssa, I need help with the dishes. Okay, cool. But if I just sat there and I did the dishes with a grudge, and I'm like, <laughs> Alyssa's lazy; she never does the dishes. Well, that builds up that resentment in the background. That makes the that puts stress on the relationship that should never exist in the because first place. Because I don't know that you're mad at me in the background if you just begrudgedly do it anyways. Exactly. And that's only hurting not only me and you, but it's hurting our team by like letting that kind of stuff fester in the background without communicating it. I think the one thing that I have noticed about our relationship that has been different from like even friendships that I've had in the past. When something bothers us, it is just immediately communicated. There's no like in the background talking, like even just to yourself, like, oh, like I hate when she does this, like da 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 da. Or talking to other people. I think uh, that's I think is that's huge. the biggest red flag. It's a I can't stand when my wife does this or mm. my partner, I just can't that's that is probably the number one red flag of how a relationship it's talking is going. negatively it, about the person you are with yeah, going <laughs> to, to other people go, going to another person oh you would not believe what i gotta put up with at home like that's okay well sure. if you have to talk to other people about it before your partner then there's some real communication issues that need to be fixed and there's a difference between looking for advice maybe if you know somebody like a friend who has gone through something yeah. similar but you know the difference between advice and venting and venting i don't i am of the belief and i think you are too that you should not be venting about your partner to other people yeah and that is something that we have maintained throughout this entire relationship at least to my knowledge but <laughs> At least to my knowledge, you haven't vented about me. I think my friends will back me up. Uh, leave in the comments if you were one of Sam's friends and he has vented about me. <laughs> and I don't know about it. No, I'm kidding. Um, anyways, I think that also stems from viewing yourself as overtly individual compared to being a member of a team. Because we're not two individuals really. I mean, we've got our individual lives, we've got our individual interests, but the overarching theme, the overarching message of our lives is that we are a team. We are one unit. We are striving for the same goals. Like a business, we have a mission statement, really, for our relationship. Like, what are we striving to accomplish with our relationship? And being aware of that is very important. So... Yeah, I think going off of like individuality, we can talk about how, especially today with like the big push of society, like put yourself first, self-love. Yes, that's all like what it is and there's positive aspects to it, but it definitely can put you on the defense as opposed to like being softer with the person that you're with when you're like i'm gonna protect myself i'm gonna be like i am i am who i am and da 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 i am like this and this and i am strong and I, yeah it's all fantastic however it is slightly combative and i think what comes from that is 
maybe perhaps the projection of certain issues onto your partner. Um, you could talk about like trust issues or uh, abandonment issues, a lot of these things that can come from viewing yourself as solely individual and you're like worried about protecting yourself, right? And a, a new relationship and that is a completely valid like concern, fear, like I think I was always afraid in the first couple moments of our relationship, Sam, I was like, oh, this, because I was a freshman and you were a junior and I, my biggest fear was that when you graduated college, you were going to graduate me as well, basically, because I was still going to be at Bryant and I was still going to be there and living this little college life. And you were going to be like, okay, see ya. I've got this big kid job. Like I'm out of here. Like this doesn't work for me anymore. You definitely ease that fear very early on, which is why we are where we are. It's like, oh, Sam actually really enjoyed his time at college so much that he wanted to stay another couple years. Yes, so you did end up staying like five minutes away from Bryant to be close to me for, I guess, one year was 20 minutes away. But for two years while I finished school, and then here you are following me again to school and because I'm behind you academically in terms of years and well, I guess now I'm ahead of you because <laughs> I'm in a look, master's program. But look, look at how we approached that life situation. That was my fear of you, abandonment. <laughs> you could have, I mean, most recently gone up to New Hampshire. I knew that my job would be at risk traveling up here. But for our future as a partnership, it made the most sense. You had the opportunity to get free higher education, play another year of volleyball, do something you're passionate about and we can get in and meet a new community and grow our future together. It would be, I mean, it's understandable where it could have been, you know, selfish. Well, I don't want to move. I have a job down here in Rhode Island. That would have been protecting the individual. That would be an individual want of me saying, okay, well, I'm secure and stable right here. I'm not willing to let you do something because it impacts my individual safety or what I would feel safe in. But the reality is you were given this opportunity that was so amazing. There is plenty of work that I could find with my career. Granted, it took a while, but now <laughs> you're breathing a lot easier. But it was a risk. It's if you were to come up to New Hampshire and I was to stay in Rhode Island, we're two individuals. Sure, we could say we're working towards the same goals, but are we really a couple working towards everything together? Why would why would we actively choose to separate and basically pursue individual lives and then just reconvene when it's convenient? Yeah. It's different. It's, oh, okay, well, for our relationship... It's going to make so much more sense if you have a master's degree and you pursue this. You could do pro volleyball. You could have more experience. You could start a business. You could develop your network. There's all these things that would be great for us. Because if you succeed in any of this stuff, we succeed. Because this is our accomplishment. You did this thing. We did this thing. There's no you accomplishing all of this or me accomplishing all of that. It's a we accomplished that this as a couple. We moved up to New Hampshire. I didn't follow you. Though I like to say that. We, <laughs> we chose that this was, that you could have declined the scholarship and not played another year of school and came right out and got a job and made money right off the bat. But would that have been the best decision for us? Because then we'd spend 40 hours apart every single week because two full-time jobs. No. What made the most sense for us and our goals was to come here together and do this together. Totally. And I think something that was very important in making that decision was prayer and was trusting God. And like, you weren't even fully Christian when we did that big leap because we had to make that decision back in I think I started the recruiting process in January, December, but I decided decision. in January and you weren't saved until I think you were saved on March, March 31st. 31st. Yeah. But she told me on April Fool's Day, so I thought it was a prank. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, 
I had to do a lot of prayer in the background for it because I was like, I knew, like, we knew the risks, right? But I was the sole Christian in the matter. So God made it so easy for this to happen. The hard part was the risk of Sam's job. But the easy factor is that he provided financially for us through other ways in the time that Sam was unemployed. And knowing how he provided for us through all of that was like, just, that's why God's got to be in your relationship, guys. Like, <laughs> we, we've done it without it, without him. And it's a lot easier with. And it is a lot easier with him because I imagine a lot of the anxiety that we felt about making the leap would have been taken away if we had him in it. And you're not really in a relationship with, if you can tell we're transitioning into talking a little bit about faith. Um, (laughs) you're not meant to be in a relationship with just you and your partner. You're meant to be in a relationship with you, your partner and God. God is like the center. He is like the, the top of your relationship. And it's funny looking at modern relationships, how much of it revolves around dating when the Bible quite literally says nothing about dating. It's a concept that just was not around at the time it was written. Um, I also think it was intentional for, for eternity. Like you're not meant to just date somebody for 20 years. You're meant to be in a committed marriage that is safe. And that being said, the Bible, it discusses relationships, but it's in the context of a marital commitment. And I think when you pivot back to dating, what are you dating for? You date to break up. Or date to get married. And why would you ever go into the relationship if the plan is to break up? So, biblically speaking, dating is not a bad thing. It just means when you do decide to go into that path, that you're committing to the person. This isn't an experiment. This isn't a test. It's a, I'm giving myself to this other person. This is, (laughs) you're committing. So, yeah. (laughs) You're committing to another person. There's no... Oh, I'm dating around. I'm looking for, I'm dating for experience. It's, it's taking all of these things at such a surface level and kind of disregarding the entire point of I'm trying to find the person who I'm supposed to be with forever. And you know, the Bible actually does, while it doesn't specifically talk about dating, it does have instructions on what a marriage should look like. And it has instructions, and I guess not instructions, but it has direct statements on what love is and what love looks like and i think not to spoil agape for next week but jesus is the perfect example of love and he is what are like the what the man in the relationship should be modeled after what the female relationship should be modeled after is the church the bride and the groom right um we'll get into that next week guys but i thought we'd share you know the classic wedding verse 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. So I think a lot of the things that we've touched on today have directly coincided with this exact verse. Love is patient and kind. I'm not pulling my weight around the apartment. Sam could easily come up to me and be like, you lazy piece of garbage, do the dishes, you know? (laughs) But who does that help? Who does that help? One, and two, he approached me with patience and with kindness and with understanding and was like, look, I know that you've got a lot going on, but I need help here. And like, I can't do this part alone and I need your help. And I could have been like, in response, you don't see what I'm doing all day. Like, you know, you don't know what I've got going on. I'm tired. I'm busy. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for you. But I felt patient in the way that you approached me because I understood that you needed help and it wasn't an unreasonable ask and you wouldn't have asked me because you, you, I know that you know what I do in a day and you know that I'm exhausted by the time I get home. And so if you're asking me for help, you must really need help, (laughs) you know? It is not, it does not envy or boast. Now, 
envying and boasting in love in a like partnership is I think is a little difficult to talk about I feel like this is easier to talk about in the context of friendship which is also another episode in the series coming up but um envy and boastfulness um where do these come from they come from pride and pride is something you do have to kind of surrender a lot in a relationship and it's it's not easy at times especially because like if you feel like you're doing all this and your partner's not doing all that that's pride because you feel like oh i'm all this and they're just not doing enough i always do the dishes i'm the better partner exactly (laughs) and really like is that making you a better partner by always doing the dishes and what are you ignoring that your partner is doing by putting yourself on this pedestal for always doing the dishes when was the last time you did laundry you know like think about stuff like that the things that your partner does for you that you don't even see are what gets missed when you put such an emphasis on pride and i think envy can come kind of come from the male expectation of having to be the breadwinner especially in today's society where a lot of women are breadwinners in their households and I'm sure that can create a bit of a power struggle there because men have this like inherent provider thing going off in their head and yeah that's a lot of societal factors that stem into that the way we're raised and even some natural ways our brains are formed. It's just like, I am man, I am strong, I will provide and yes. protect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sam's like, yes, this is how I feel. <laughs> but you just spent a bunch of months not making an income and we were relying on what was in my account when we share money. But like, that could have been a moment where you let your pride get the better of you because I'm paying for a lot more than I typically do. But then you also paid for literally every single date that we went on for the first four years of our relationship. So I think I got these couple months, you know? (laughs) Like, let me just get these couple months. Maybe I'll finally even it out with you. But love doesn't keep score, guys. Um, (laughs) I'm winning. Yeah, I know. I don't don't know. I think I'm winning. (laughs) It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Individuality. It is not irritable or resentful. Resentful. It does not keep score. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. You do not feel joy when something goes wrong for me or when I do something wrong or like, you always do this and then I do this and then you're like, ha ha, I knew it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like you come home and there's a dish in the sink. I knew you never did the dishes. I know you don't do the dishes ever. (laughs) That is like low-key rejoicing in my wrongdoings, (laughs) you know? And rejoices with the troop. So going off of Corinthians, let's hop over to Ephesians. And Ephesians has a whole lot on instructions for Christian living and literally an entire section called instructions for Christian living. It's not just on relationships. Even so, this is Ephesians 5. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it as Christ does that church, because we are the members of his body. You should love your partner as if they are your own body. You should treat them as if they are an extension of yourself. Yes, they are their own person, but in the context of your relationship, they are literally an extension of you. Because when you make that union with somebody, when you are committed to somebody, You are one. You are one being. You are no longer these two individuals who are just going about life on their own paths. You are now on the same path. And loving somebody as if they are yourself is, it's just this beautiful love. Like, I give Sam grace for things. Not that you do a lot of bad things, but like, I give you the same grace I give myself. And you do the same for me. Like, if I see, like, I don't know, like, a a sock on the ground, I'm not like, ugh, this guy, he's just leaving his socks everywhere, he's terrible. But if I had seen, like, my own sock on the ground, I'd be like, oh, oops, that was a mistake. You know, like, I'm giving him the same grace. I'm not expecting the things that he's doing to be malicious. I'm not, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and 
99% of the time, the benefit of the doubt, at least in our situation, is the right way to go. I don't think, like, I can't even name a situation where you've been malicious towards me. And it's not, oh, Sam's throwing his laundry everywhere, so Alyssa has to pick it up. It's yeah. a, oh, he was probably just in a rush, got back from the gym, tossed it there. Had somewhere to go after, you know, and, like, not that that's, like, a consistent problem for us. I think I'm the slob here, but, like, I'm looking around our room right now, and I'm like, ooh, like, Sam's got a, like... What is that over there? A belt. A belt. And then I've got a blanket, a backpack, uh, two water bottles, um, a purse. But who's keeping count? But who, yeah, love doesn't keep score, guys. (laughs) Me over here arguing, love does not keep score when I'm the one who would probably be losing the score. (laughs) I'm not keeping score. Yeah, let's just say, thank the Lord Almighty you do not keep score because I would lose. Um, I would lose greatly, especially recently. Um, You know what? I'll get you back, though, when you go into the office. I'll make at least one meal a week. <laughs> That's what I can commit to. Lucky me. Oh, yeah. You better you better feel lucky over there. <laughs> so, where do we go from here? We talked a lot about what is wrong with relationships today. Yeah. We kind of vented about modern relationships, and these pro- problems aren't limited just modern relationships they're problems from the beginning of time you know or else they wouldn't be in the bible right they wouldn't be applicable to literally every single century of every single moment in society right but i think something to consider when dating for those of us who are single um are you dating with intention are you looking for an accessory to have by you? Or are you looking for someone to build a life with? Are you looking for experience or are you looking for marriage? Are you looking for somebody to be your partner, your little partner in crime, to be your teammate? Or is it just not intentional? You know, because it's definitely most often not of malintent, it's of lack of intent. Because it's not, oh, I'm dating to break up, you know? I'm going to date this person. I'm just probably going to dump them. I don't think the majority of us go into a relationship like that. But dating with intention. And it's difficult to do that when you are in a society that prioritizes things being quick, easy, done, fast. You know, like revolving door relationships. You know, like that is so common, especially with situationships. Because... What's the case with situationships? You probably got like five going on at the same time, you know? And approaching dating with longevity in mind, because I think like you can talk about hookup culture, which I wouldn't really consider dating, but approaching dating from just like a lackadaisical attitude, I think is a disservice to what, you could have it's a disservice to yourself and it's a it's not just a disservice to the people that you're dating it's a disservice to yourself and it is so challenging when that is the way a lot of people who are in the dating pool act so that's probably what you're experiencing a lot of the time when you go on dates and for people who are already in relationships it's remembering that you are no longer your own person you know, like you're your own person, but you are just as much your other, your partner's person now that you are in a relationship. And of course, keeping God at the center of your relationship because he has laid out the most beautiful image of what a relationship should look like. And check out the Bible for, <laughs> I recommend Corinthians and Ephesians, and if you want to learn more about love, check out John. Uh, not the gospel, I guess, yeah, the gospel, but also the letters. But we think the thing that is missing from these relationships in society is agape love. And we're just going to leave it there because next week we'll be talking all about agape love so through all of this we think that agape is the solution basically (laughs) we've got the problem and now we've got the solution
the biblical the biblically backed solution true so in closing we hope you found this discussion on modern relationships to be relatable or at least a little bit intriguing um Alyssa and i clearly have a ton of experience both being on our first relationship with uh, <laughs> not much experience in the other stuff which is pretty fun <laughs> as you can tell we love the topic uh we talk about it a little bit too much um Pretty sure that's what everyone does when they think they're good at something. Um, <laughs> no idea if we're good at something, but we feel like we're good at something, so we're going to act like experts on the matter. Uh, next week on Two Trees in a Pod, continuing our mini-series mini all about love, we'll be discussing agape and going a little bit deeper into what agape is, the biblical meaning of agape, how Jesus showed agape love, and even more. Have a great week and stay blessed. See you guys.